Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 109 of the podcast. It's the 31st of January, 2018, as I record this intro. My guest this week is Sylvia Woodman. I've known Sylvia online for many years now, where she helpfully answers questions in unschooling groups, and I was excited to finally get to talk to her directly and hear some of her wonderful stories. So we chat about how she discovered unschooling, ways to create an environment in which natural learning thrives, how unschooling has been healing and liberating, technology, and lots more. For my update this week, the print proof for my new book, The Unschooling Journey, A Field Guide, showed up this week. (laughs) It was so exciting. The print edition is a journal for you to document your unschooling journey alongside mine. So as well as the text of the book, it has coloring pages for contemplation, line pages for writing down your thoughts, and blank pages for doodling. So of course, I needed to play with it. (laughs) And I've been having so much fun. I really do love to color and to write. (laughs) Also, I am participating in the 2018 Canadian Online Homeschool Conference, which runs from February 2nd to the 11th. You can sign up and watch the sessions and talks for free for 48 hours as they are released over the course of the conference. My talk, The Value of Relationships for Learning, goes live on February 7th. I'm also hosting an unschooling chat Saturday night, February 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern and I'll put a link in the show notes. And a huge thank you to everyone who has chosen to support the show on Patreon. And a big welcome to new patrons, Caitlin Walker, Ellie Winnicor, Christine, and Betsy Tufano. Thanks so much for joining us. I deeply appreciate all my patrons and their generous support, helping me share unschooling information with anyone who wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to support the show, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And for this week's quote, I wanted to highlight one of the many wonderful insights that Sylvia shared this week. What I also didn't understand is that what they were able to read was not connected to what they were able to understand. They had very big vocabularies. They could understand very sophisticated content, but they weren't necessarily going to go to a reference book to learn more. They had other resources available to them. They had podcasts. They had YouTube. They had voice to text if they wanted to communicate with people. They had lots of other ways of getting to the same place. I remember that shining aha moment too. On one hand, as Sylvia points out, I remember noticing that my kids had great vocabularies, that they were having fun and engaging conversations with me. And just by watching them in action, I could see that they were learning new things all the time. And then on the other hand, I knew they weren't reading and I was a bit concerned. 
So how could I reconcile both those observations? And then it hit me. Not yet reading wasn't interfering with their learning at all. Reading is only a necessary skill for learning in school. Outside of school, there's a huge variety of ways to learn things. It was another valuable de-schooling revelation. So let's get to my conversation with Sylvia. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Sylvia Woodman. Hi, Sylvia. Hi. Hello, hello. I have known Sylvia online for many years now, helpfully <laughs> answering questions in unschooling groups, and I'm excited to finally get to talk to her directly. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Um, okay, so um, my husband Jim and I have been married for 17 years. It'll be 18 years in September. And we have two children, Gabriella, who is 13 and a half, and Harry, who's 11 and a half, and they have never gone to school. Um, we first uh, we first found out about homeschooling. I had been I had gone through, you know, 12 years of public school and I had gone to four years of college and then I was working and I had a bit of what I like to think of as a one third of a life crisis, not a midlife crisis (laughs) because I had it, you know, in my 20s. So I hope that's not a midlife crisis. Um, And but basically, I really started to feel like, what am I doing? And is this how I want to spend my life? And for many years, I never really seriously thought about getting married or having a family. But in my late 20s, my feelings about that shifted. And so what happened was I left my career in the private sector and Jim and I got married and I moved from the New York City area to central New Jersey where we live now. And, um, and I got a job working for um, a nonprofit where I was the only paid staff member and there were a lot of volunteers. And I met so many fascinating people uh, doing that. And one of the volunteers handed me, with very little explanation, a copy of Grace Llewellyn's Teenage Liberation Handbook. It was just sort of like, Sylvia, I really think you should read this book. I think you would like it. And I did. And it kind of changed the trajectory of our lives. Um, because we didn't yet have kids. We were, we were thinking about having kids, but we hadn't, you know, I wasn't pregnant yet. We hadn't started that process yet. Um, but I read the book and it really resonated with me about my own schooled experiences. Like I remember so vividly in my senior year of high school feeling like this is a giant gigantic waste of time. There is so much out there in the world and I have to come in and sign in for homeroom and spend time, you know, Mm -hmm. with doing homework and just, you know, and homework that was frequently never even collected and, you know, like (laughs) uh, writing papers that no one was ever going to read. And and I was thinking, why, you know, New York is like a 45 minute drive from here. I could be in New York City. I could go to museums. I could go to galleries. I could go to the theater. What am I doing here? And I spent a lot of time in my life, sort of in my teenage years, lying on my bed thinking, when is my real life going to begin? And one of the things that has been so great about unschooling is really being able to help my kids understand that this is their real life. There is no waiting. Like, this is it now. And and this is my real life now. And I don't have to wait. I don't have to postpone things until the kids get older, until Jim retires, until, you know, like, we could, we could do it all now. 
and and that has been that has been huge for us. Um, wow! Yeah, I, so I got goosebumps listening to that because it's right. This is real life right now. You get to engage in it and live it, and and just. Don't wait. Be yourself, right? Don't wait. Yeah, yeah. don't wait. <laughs> I, I love that. So that's how you discovered unschooling. Um, yeah. Once- oh, and, and, and then I guess I should also say that uh-huh. after the kids were born, I started attending La Leche League meetings. And uh-huh. that's when I got introduced to the concept of un- attachment parenting. Uh-huh. And that it spoke so directly to my heart. And really, by extension, it also spoke to Jim's heart, too. Like we were both, you know, very involved in caring for our kids, you know, kids as babies. And that and I think we were both sort of secretly happy that it didn't have to stop when they got to be school age. We could still be super involved in their lives and we could still be, um, you know, uh, we didn't have to sort of impose any kind of separation like Mm -hmm. we didn't have to you know like there was a a lot of people who would say things like oh well you know once you won't be able to do that once they start school and Mm -hmm. and there was a part of us that was sort of like well what if we don't want to you know (laughs) why why?" like we used to take um i mean we still do but we would go on vacation a lot of times in September, you know, Mm -hmm. which in this part of the country is when there is really nice weather, but it is also after the school year begins. So a lot of kids cannot, you know, a lot of families cannot vacation then because they have kids have to go to school. And I remember, um, being sort of caught off guard when Gabriella was four and we were talking about how we had been away in September and somebody said to us, oh, well, you won't be able to do that next year. And I remember thinking for a minute, what is she talking about? What do you mean we can't do this next year? What does she know that I, and then I realized, oh, she means because she thinks Gabriella will be in school. And I was, because at that point we hadn't, you know, revealed that we had plans to not send our child to school. And, you know, so, and, but I was, I, was so caught off guard by that. I was like, oh, oh, okay, yes, right, I understand now. And that was when we had to start telling people that actually, no, Gabriella wasn't wasn't going to go to kindergarten and uh, and dealing with the, you know, all the questions that came with that. But, oh, oh that's, yeah. that's so interesting. So it, it really just kind of flowed into your lives. You guys had come across it. You'd already, um, you know, knew, well, you said she was around three. She was three, four at that time. Yeah. And, yeah. and you guys were already, already knew that she wasn't going to school. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, and, she, and she was also a kid who was very um, wary of new situations, mm-hmm. didn't really really didn't like to be, to do things without us. Like she really liked to know where we were. And um, so I really think that going to either preschool or, or, uh, or, or kindergarten would have been hard on her. Mm-hmm. And, and, we, and, and we were fortunate enough that we didn't have to make her do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were fortunate enough that we didn't need school as daycare and we didn't need, um, you know, and that, that we had arranged our lives in such a way that we weren't just marking time until I could go back to work. You know, it was, um, we had the ability to, to do this for her. And we didn't set out saying our kids will never, ever go to school. And, yeah. and we still, every year, you know, even sometimes several times a year, like things happen and we, we check in with our kids, you know, um, 
recently, uh, my daughter has a very good friend who was originally homeschooled, but then after a while chose to go to school. And that has been a good decision for her. And we recently went to see her in a school play. And on the drive back, I said to my daughter, Gabriella, I said, you know, would you ever want to be in a play? And we talked a little bit about that and what she thought she might want to do. And she wasn't so interested in the acting. She was sort of more interested in the directing aspect of it, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. And But she was saying, but no, I really, you know, I'm really happy at home. And, and I could see that after the play was over and everybody came out into the lobby area and it was a big sort of open concept, very beautiful school, but, um, but it was super echoey in the in the lobby, and this this I could just see the sound of all the all the students and all the parents and all the people, and it was just I could see that she was starting to get overwhelmed, and I was thinking if she had to deal with that, you know, changing classes, you know, six, seven, eight times a day, how much like aside from all the other stresses of being in high school environment, like just the noise level, the sound level, the ability to not be able to get quiet when you need it. Mm-hmm. I thought that's, you know, that's something not to be overlooked either. Yeah, that's so true. Like even even the physical environment, right? Right. Versus right. all the other stuff. So that's great that you you noticed that it kind of reinforced your choice, right? right. And, and from what you noticed too. within. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I really like, <clears throat> yes, in the beginning, obviously, it was our choice. You know, our kids didn't come to us and say, mommy, please don't send me to school. Although yeah, I yeah. know <laughs> there might be some kids who do. But, uh, but you know, our kids were sort of like, and, and, and there's also, um, and there are also some kids who are very eager to go to school. I know that that's definitely the case, but our kids were not, and they didn't, you know, they seemed very happy to be at home and to stay at home. And I'm very thankful that they are still happy to be at home. That's very cool. So I wanted to dive into, okay, so now, um, Gabriella hits school age, right? And so one of the kind of cornerstones of de-schooling for a lot of people is learning how to create an environment in your home and within your family in which natural learning flourishes. And certainly um, for for a lot of people who come from the conventional uh, school mindset, that that is a process and a process that can take a while. It's not like, oh, now we're going to do this instead. So I was hoping you might share um, an idea or something that you did that you found really helpful along the way. Um, well, a couple of things happened. Like we were all at home and gliding along and doing our thing and having a good time and trying new things and going new places and just, you know, just living our life. Also watching Mm -hmm. TV and, you know, and (laughs) and reading stories and, you know, doing the normal stuff. And then, um, and I was involved in La Leche League. At that point, I was a La Leche League leader. I was helping out with my group and my co-leaders were all also homeschooling, you know, Mm -hmm. with varying degrees of, you know, from people who were doing something that was pretty structured to people who were pretty loosey-goosey about things. And, um, And I remember just around the time that Gabriella turned five and a lot of my other uh, La Leche League mom friends who also had kids around that age were uh, unboxing these gorgeous uh, looking curriculums, you know, Mm -hmm. that they had purchased. And this one had a STEM focus and this one is going to be focusing on, you know, sort of a Waldorf. (laughs) And I'm, you know, like, and and part of me, I love school supplies. I love the beginning of school. I love, you know, I love that sort of feeling of a fresh start with things. And I, for one moment, had a moment of, oh my God, 
what am I doing? You know, wait, mm-hmm. we don't have a box. We don't, you know, like I don't have anything. <laughs> you know. And then, and then, and then I kind of took some deep breaths and I was like, no, 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 no. Okay. Cause they're like, you know, and one of the other girls came up to Gabriella and said, you know, and we're going to be learning, you know, physics and Mandarin Chinese. And Gabriella said to her, and we're going to go to the new playground. <laughs> and I realized, I bet they, everybody would really rather go to the new playground than learn Mandarin Chinese, <laughs> you know, when they're five. And, uh-huh. you know, and then I realized, okay, yeah, we're okay. Going to the new playground is okay. And she's, and she might learn, Gabriella might decide to learn Mandarin Chinese someday, or she, you know, and, and it turns out that just through the process of living her life and building things and exploring things, she's learned a fair amount of physics along the way. But I didn't need to have a boxed curriculum for that to happen. And in the beginning, that was that was something that, you know, that I worried about because until until any stage happens, it's hard to envision how how you get there. You know, like when your kids are still in diapers, it's hard to imagine a time when you won't need to carry a diaper bag and a change of clothes with you everywhere you go. It's hard to see how one day your kid just stops wearing diapers. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah, just, yeah. And one day your kid was not a reader and then someday in the future your kid is a reader. You know, like it's until it happens, it's hard to imagine what that looks like. It's like a country you haven't visited yet. You know, that's it's, a great point. Yeah, yeah. Because until, until you see it, <clears throat> like you said, see it happen in front of you, it, there, there's still always the questions in your mind, right? What if, what right. if, what if? Yeah. Right, right. Oh, that's I mean, a great point. <laughs> and, and another thing that, that really has helped me um, in terms of, of de-schooling is being flexible, understanding that not, you know, that, that um, not every kid is going to do everything at the same age. Not every kid is going to do everything in the same order. Mm-hmm. Um, something that really I was not expecting that happened was um, Harry, who is 11 now, learned to read before Gabriella did. Mm-hmm. Gabriella really didn't start reading fluently and, you know, until she was around 12. And Harry was really reading at like eight or nine. And it happened gradually. And there was a, a long period of time where they could read some you know, and they could mm-hmm. work their way through things. They could pass kind of thing. You know what I mean? But like yeah. in terms of really being able to pick up anything, you know, a newspaper, any book on any topic, whether they were familiar with it or not, and just open it up and read that, that took a long, that took much longer than I, than I thought, because when you're learning in a school setting, they tailor what they offer you to read to match up with approximately where your your skills and abilities are. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have that framework, you know, obviously some things are going to be easier for kids to read and other things are going to be more difficult. And what I also didn't understand is that what they were able to read was not connected to what they were able to understand. They could understand. They had very big vocabularies. They could understand very sophisticated, com, uh, you know, um, context. They could understand very uh, sophisticated con- content, um, but they um, weren't necessarily going to go to a reference book to learn more. They had other. They had other resources available to them. They had podcasts. They had YouTube. They had um, voice to text if they wanted to 
communicate with people. They, you know, like they, they had lots of other ways of getting to the same place. Yeah, that's one of my most favorite little tidbits, right? That that revelation, because my youngest too was older when he started reading and it did not get in his way at all. You know, everybody's, oh, well, how are they going to learn if they can't read? How are they going to learn if they can't read? That is just one of many ways to absorb and engage with information, right? Right. I mean, right. it's it's the key way at school, but outside of school, there's so many other ways. It doesn't, not reading, uh, you know, fluently uh, reference books, that, that does not get in their way of living and learning at all, does it? Right. No, no, there's so many, you know, and, and they, it, there got to be a point where they were learning things and I didn't know where they were finding out about it. Like, <laughs> you know, like Harry made some comment about the the hyperinflation that took place in Germany, you know, between <laughs> World War One and World War Two. And I'm like, wait, what? How do you know about that? You know, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, he's like, oh, I heard about it on a YouTube video. He was very into like those top ten videos for a very long time. And there's a lot of, you know, so I didn't know about them. So I had him show me some, and I and there's a lot of information there and a lot of. Um, opportunities to learn more like once you hear about this thing then you can find out more about it uh, that happened that happened to me um kind of recently last may there was a, a viral video that was going around calling called the history of the world i guess and it was mm -hmm. like it was a really fun sort of survey timeline kind of thing about everything that happened in world history pretty much from the big bang to current day and obviously they can't cover everything but it, it was a very nice sort of survey of things and there was stuff in there there was a fair amount in there about china that i didn't know about that never got covered when i was in school and i didn't study it when i was in college and so i found out about this um fairly recent archaeological discovery called the, the terracotta warriors and i had never heard of them and it was this one of the um emperors of china when he died he wanted to take his army with him so rather than bury alive his soldiers they made terracotta soldiers that would stand guard by you know in his tomb and well, first of all i thought only the egyptians were the ones who had tombs with all their their stuff in it mm -hmm. um so that was a new idea to me and second of all i had never heard about these terracotta warriors and then i find out that some of them are on tour traveling around the country and that they had been on display in new york and i had missed that but they were coming to philadelphia which was only about 45 minutes from us so we made plans to go see that but so that was a brand new thing that I found out about because my kids showed me a video. And when I said about the terracotta warriors, I made a mistake and I called them the soldiers. And Gabriella's like, no, no, they're the terracotta warriors. And I'm like, how do you know? And she's like, oh, I saw, I saw a video where they went when they were excavating them. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, there's archaeological videos. And, you know, and I watch those sometimes. And I was like, wow. You know, so she she was she knew all about this long before I found out about it. So and that kind of turns on the head the idea that, you know, that mom is the teacher and the kids are the students, because that has not really been our experience either. It's really been we're all learning together. You know, the kids are introducing things to us and we're introducing cool things to them. And it's more like a sharing between peers than me thinking like, okay, here's our list of subjects that must be covered and I must check these boxes and make sure that, you know, there are no gaps and all, you know, and, 
and it's really it's it's done amazing things for our relationship. Yeah, because because every time every time I try to teach something to my children, especially Gabriella, it does not go well. It does not, you know, she, Mm -hmm. she doesn't, she doesn't want to hear it from me. She wants to, she wants to figure it out on her, on her own. One of her first words was self, self. I want to, you know, meaning I want to do it myself. (laughs) Do you want me to tie your shoe or you want to do it yourself? Self, self. Okay. All right. You know, so that's very much been a uh, part of her personality. Sometimes I say, you know, even if I hadn't planned to homeschool, we might have ended up homeschooling because Gabriella wouldn't do well in a classroom situation. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know, she doesn't yeah, want yeah. She doesn't want to hear it from the teacher. She, you know, she, she's not she's not going to take the teacher's word for it. She's going to check for herself, which has also proven to be super helpful in this internet age of, you know, is this a is this a good news site? Is, you know, is yeah, this a yeah. reliable source? Is the that's serving her really well, you know, right now. That she's, you know, she's not going to take your word for it. She's going to do her own research and, and double check and make sure. Uh-huh. I love that. I love that. I love how you described how learning just weaves between your days, right? And between yes. all of you. Right. Um, because one of the things that can trip us up when we come to unschooling and the idea um, of, of dumping or get, you know, not, not following curriculum um, and following our children's interests is we can often think of it, okay, well, I'm not supposed to be directing them. I'm not going to be um, telling them what they should be learning. So we're going to be child-led, I guess is the phrase that's yeah. often used. But when you think of it that way, that can get in the way of understanding what unschooling looks like too, can't it? Yeah. My focus is having fun. Yeah. I figure... If I'm having fun and the kids are having fun and they're happy and they're engaged and they're comfortable, then the learning happens seamlessly and as a total side effect. You know, like it's it's, it's um, so often, uh, you know, people discuss school as, the you know, the child's work, you know, like just like, you mm-hmm. know, mommy and daddy go to their jobs and you go to your job, which is school and that school work is hard and it requires effort and diligence and discipline. And, and we're not finding that to be our experience. We're finding mm-hmm. that learning is fun and is a I don't want to say it's, it's always easy. I mean, like there are some, you know, sometimes people do put in a lot of effort and there's frustration and there's taking breaks and coming back to things. Um, but uh, I, I really don't want people to get the idea that, that learning is, is has to be drudgery, you know, mm-hmm. that it can, that you can focus on doing fun things, cool things, interesting things, uh, noticing what your kids are interested in and maybe saying, oh, since you like this, do you think you would like that? Um, my son, Harry, loves video games like that. Like, you know, like if, if we had to describe what we were doing with curriculum, his curriculum is video games, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for, for many months, he was very... Um, absorbed in the world of Fallout 4, which is one of these uh, post-nuclear apocalypse terrains. And Mm -hmm. there are missions, but there's also a sandbox kind of feature where you can kind of do your own thing in it. And, but there, um, it's sort of, the the storyline is sort of like, what if 
World War II had gone the other way? What if we were the ones that had gotten the nuclear bomb and things, you know, had fallen apart and um, people are scavenging and there's radiation and whatever? But also, what if time had sort of stopped then? So one of the, and this is like a kind of very minor detail of the game, is that there is a radio station and you can turn the station and there's different music. And most of the music is from the, the 30s and the 40s. And my son became really enamored with big band music and his favorite song on the playlist was anything goes Mm -hmm. so naturally i said to him oh do you know that that's actually a musical and then we were driving around town and it turns out that one of the local high schools that was their spring play Mm -hmm. so then i said oh do you want to go see anything goes and then it turns out that oh one of his friends from karate is playing in the pit band oh Mm -hmm. okay so we got tickets and we went and i thought okay well we'll go i don't know if they'll like it maybe we'll leave an intermission you know because anything goes is like the finale to the first act so i thought oh well we'll go we'll see anything goes we'll say hi to his friend in the pit and then we'll go home but they were totally involved in the story and they wanted to stay for the second act and they loved it and they had such a good time you know and and so that was sort of an unexpected turn from playing video games like not everybody would make the connection that oh if my kid plays video games we might get to go see musical theater you know (laughs) or you know what i mean like like that you don't think of that as a straight line from you know people i know (laughs) i love that like it's just a great example of all the fun and interesting twists and turns that can yes. happen, right? When you're just right. following the connections, following and things. And it's being open to when these things exactly. come up too, right? Being open, being flexible, being willing to make plans or change plans or adjust plans. You know, like I was I was totally okay with going and only staying till till the intermission. But it turns out they wanted to stay for the whole thing. That was like a bonus. That was great. You know, because then they got exposed to everything that happened in the second act, you know, which led to conversations about uh, everything from cruise ships to, you know, the kind of clothes that people were wearing. I mean, like all kinds of things. So you just we just never know where things where where we're going to end up, you know, but we're 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 open to it. Yeah. And, you know, if you had been thinking of your lives or or unschooling as child led, right? And you didn't want to um, be seen as directing things. You may not have even, you know, mentioned to him, Hey, that's a musical and started pointing that out and Hey, it's here, you know, and you would not have gone on that whole wonderful, fun tangent. Exactly. (laughs) And we have, you know, we have pictures and we have, you know, and we have fun memories and, you know, and so many things like, and, and one of the things that my kids sometimes complain about is sometimes they think we're too busy because Mm -hmm. I'm always like, oh, there's this cool thing. Oh, we could go here. Oh, there's a thing over there, you know? And so we had an extremely busy summer. And so the kids are like, we have to do less next summer. And I'm like, okay. And that also was something important for me to learn. Um, Mm -hmm. I personally am a very extroverted kind of outgoing person. And my kids and my husband and pretty much all of my extended family are more introverted than I am. They're mm-hmm. happy at home. They're happy on their own. I can I have a hard time understanding and relating to this. So I had to make some big adjustments in my own expectations of, you know, my own like what it was going to look like. And um, because my kids really they need periods of busyness and then time to decompress. 
and mm-hmm. then periods of busyness and then time to decompress. And, you know, like yesterday, we had a really busy day. You know, we went uh, we went to homeschool ice skating and then we had friends over and then Gabrielle and I went shopping and Harry and, and Jim are um, involved in Taekwondo. So they were at Taekwondo for a couple of hours. And so I imagine that today is going to be a lot of hanging around the house, you know, playing mm-hmm. video games, watching things on YouTube or Netflix. Um, and, you know, Gabriella draws every day, so she'll probably be doing some, t- you know, some stuff with her art. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, so today is going to be sort of more of a down day. Then I know we have things going on this weekend. So that'll be, we'll be ramping up and being out and about again. And then probably the following week, quieter, you know. So it's, uh, so I That's think that, that would also be hard for them if they were in school and had to go every single day and be with people every single day when what they really need is to be home and to be quiet some days. Yeah, no, that that time um, just to to regroup, it's totally individual, right? But so much happens in there, right? Right, and what a gift to be able to mm-hmm. provide that for them, you know? Yeah. And and to just learn to, to know each other so well to know that we have these um, these patterns for yes. lack of a better word I guess right our needs <laughs> right right and and to be able to know that about yourself at you know eleven and thirteen mm-hmm. you know I, I I'm still figuring this out and I'm in my forties you know what I yeah, mean yeah I know so you know. <laughs> well that leads very nicely to the next question. <laughs> Moving to unschooling can also be a catalyst for healing from our own childhood, right? Yeah. Understanding our I didn't start understanding myself and I didn't even know I didn't. Right. You know what I mean? I yes. didn't I didn't because I was just doing what was expected and I thought that was my choice. Yeah. Because that that w- it was either, you know, do it and and quote, do well, or don't do it and get in trouble, right? So, of course, I'm going to choose. Well, yeah. of course, for me, that was my choice, right? Yeah. Um, but but through unschooling, uh, I learned so much more about myself. Um, and it, it really has been a healing time for me. Have you found that too? Yes. Um, it, it's been healing. It's also been sort of liberating in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like a lot of things... Um, that were sort of weighing me down, you know, like Mm -hmm. one of the things that has really been so helpful for me is to let go of ideas about healthy food and junk food. That Mm -hmm. the idea that it's all food, all of it, even, even Twinkies, you know what I mean? Even, (laughs) you know, like it's all food and, and it's not useful for me to start categorizing it into this is a good food and this is a bad food because that was very much a, a, a thing that was sort of threaded through my childhood. Um, I was uh, – I came from a family where we were doing the you know the best we could with food. Like I remember as a child, we never had butter you know, in the house because butter was considered to be unhealthy, but margarine mm-hmm. was fine, you know, but now yeah. as an adult, it seems that things have re- reversed and that, oh, margarine maybe is not so good for you because it's saturated fat, you know, and, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and like the way people thought about, oh, eggs, we never had eggs. 
you know, because eggs were bad for you. They were bad for your cholesterol. And but Fruit Loops were okay. Wait a minute, you know, like so. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so th- there was a lot of confusing messages about food, and so now uh, it's fine. Like now, I feel like uh, we have. I feel like I'm developing a better relationship around food, and I think my kids are too. You know, my kids um, can definitely you know, take or leave candy. I mean, they like candy, but like if like when I was a kid, like Halloween candy, like that stuff, you would eat it even if it was something that you didn't like, even if it was something Mm -hmm. that that would make you sick because that was your Halloween candy and it was limited and you wouldn't get it again for a whole other year. And, you know, now that as an adult, my relationship with time is different. So a year is not very long, but when you're a child, a year is a really long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and for my, and my kids understand that there's always candy in our house and it's, you know, it's never something that, oh my God, this is the last one and we'll never see it again. Like they don't have that kind of uh, feast or famine relationship with, with really with any food at all, you know? And, uh, and, and that, I mean, they don't even know about how that could weigh them down. You know what I mean? Like that's a, a lightness that they have about them that they don't even know they have. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, no, like I can point. see that they can be completely relaxed about, you know, candy or, you know, and, and, or any kind of, or any kind of food really. And, and I'm feeling like, sometimes I feel like, oh, well I have to, you know, I have to eat that, you know, because it's on my plate. You know what I mean? Like, even mm-hmm. if I'm no longer hungry, I feel like I have to finish it, you know, cause it's there and, and they don't have that baggage. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. Um, I mean, and I and I also would like to say about food is that like unschooling doesn't like um, prevent normal kids stuff. You know, uh, yeah. I my one my one son my my, my son Harry he's um, was very um, selective about what he would eat for a long time. For a long time, there were only a few things that he would reliably eat all the time. And he, you know, and he, both my kids nursed for a very long time and, you know, and just, you know, so I knew they were getting some nutrition that way, but in terms of other foods, he was very limited in what he would eat. And I don't know whether that was, he had some food allergies that maybe he later outgrew, or maybe it was a sensory thing or textures or smells. I don't know. Uh, because he was little and he couldn't really articulate why he didn't want to taste something. Um, so we let it ride for a long time. And what? And more recently, in the last two years or so, he, he's suddenly been much more open to trying new things. And a lot of the places where he got inspired to try new things was TV, video games, YouTube videos. He saw um, a commercial for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now, he already knew that he liked chicken. He already knew that he liked breaded chicken. And so he decided he wanted to try Kentucky Fried Chicken. So, of course, part of me is freaking out. Fast food is, you know, like, (laughs) is this going to be, you know, down a path to some kind of obesity disaster or whatever? But on the other hand, I thought, I do want him to try new things. So this is the thing he wants to try. I'm not going to say no. So we go to, there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken in our town. I find, you know, we drive over there. We go, th- I wanted to go in 
but the kids did not want to go in. They wanted to go through the drive-thru. So we're going through the drive-thru and I want to order like kind of an assortment of things so they can try the different things that they have on offer. And so I'm trying to figure this out, but the, th- the meals are set up in a certain way. And I know, and I want some of the things and I don't want other things. And so, and, and, and it's the middle of the day, so I don't feel too much pressure, but eventually a car is behind us. So now I feel like, okay, we got to finish this up because there's somebody <laughs> waiting behind me, like the pressure is on. And so, and the woman who is taking our order, who of course I can't see, cause this is like, I'm speaking to a drive-through screen, you know? And so, and she's trying to help us, but I don't think she really understands what I'm trying to do. And so, and then she says, and, and what about the drink? And I said, um, uh, do you have milk? And she says, no, we don't have milk. We only have soda. And my kids, they don't like soda. Not because I say you can't have soda, but just because they, they don't like it. And so, um, they, they say, um, well, what do you have to drink? And she lists off what they have to drink and the kids don't want that. And I say, no drink. And the woman's like, no, the drink comes with it. Like, you know, what is wrong <laughs> with you, lady? Why don't you want your, every, you know, you're losing money if you don't take the drink. And, and Gabriella pops up from the back seat and she says, why don't we give the drink to the lady taking her, our order? She talks to people all day. She must get thirsty. Oh. <laughs> Lovely. Right? Like, what did I write? So, yeah. So, <laughs> so oh. yeah. So, that was that was a Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so, he tried it and he liked some of the things and he didn't like others of the things. And then, um, the other thing was he was playing a video game called Team Fortress 2. And one of the ways that you get your health back is you eat a sandwich. And so, for a while, he was very interested in trying sandwiches. And he would eat any sandwich that I would put in front of him as long as it was cut on the diagonal and there were toothpicks in the two halves. Yeah, oh, beautiful. <laughs> so, I'm like, okay, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that, you know. Um, you know, so, so and, oh, and then the other thing also was just YouTube. There's a lot of YouTube videos where people are doing like challenges where they're like trying baby food or um, there was a hot sauce challenge where they were trying different kinds of spicy sauce. Um, and, and that got Harry into trying some other new things that he wouldn't have tried before. One time the kids had a sleepover. And so we decided to do as an activity for the sleepover, we did the Oreo cookie challenge. Are Oreo cookies a thing in Canada? Yes. Okay. It's not just in America. Like, so, Okay. So when I was a kid in the 70s, there was just one kind of Oreo cookie. It was like, you know, two mm-hmm. cookies, you know, two chocolate cookies with the cream in the middle. Now, there's like a whole wall of them at the supermarket. There are like 87 different kinds of Oreos, <laughs> all different flavors. Some of them are seasonal. Some of them aren't even flavors. Like there was a flavor the other day. It was called Spring. I'm like, what does that taste like? Cilantro? We do not have like, all that variety. I mean, like, so anyway, so <clears throat> so I went to the to the store and I bought like – six different kinds and then we brought them home and we blindfolded the kids and we put the Oreos in front of them and we let them taste them and try to identify them from the flavor. And, you know, and we had a whole, you know, and so that was hilarious and fun. And then, um, and then we had uh, a whole long conversation about, you know, taste buds and who, you know, and what and who tastes what and how different people taste things differently. Um, you know, and we talked about like how cilantro, some people find it tastes like soap and other people love mm-hmm. it, and, you know, and have, you know, so we, we had a whole conversation about that. And so, but the, the good news about it is that Harry went from being the picky eater to a kid who really is open to trying new things and, and open to, uh, uh, but he had to come 
to the point where he would understand for himself that trying new things can be a positive experience, that sometimes you can try new things and it's really good. Because I think for a long time, anytime he tried something new, it was not good, you know, and it was disappointing. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, and so, and so Mm -hmm. I was so... mm, I don't care if he's a person who loves to eat 100,000 different things. I care that he's a person who's willing to try new things. Do, do, you, know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah. And But just to be, to be supportive of him where he is. Yeah. On, on that journey, right? Right, right. It, it, took, it took a while, but he knew it was okay because he didn't feel pressure from you yeah. that, that the way he was in the moment was bad, but you're there um, to happily support him whenever you see uh, him reaching out, too, right. right? Not just to keep bringing him the same thing right. because right. it's being open or, to Or saying you don't like Where it. our kids go. You know, yeah, like yeah, exactly. No, subject. I'm not taking that. You won't like that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, and, and, you know, and even if it's something – that I think he won't like, you know what I mean? Like well, sometimes mm-hmm. I built, I built on things that I already knew he liked. Like I knew he liked pancakes. So since he liked pancakes, maybe he'd be willing to try a tortilla. Oh, mm-hmm. maybe you'd be willing to try a, you know, I also knew he liked pizza. Maybe you'd be willing to try a quesadilla, you know, with tortillas and cheese. Oh, okay. You know what? Um, there are these things called crepes, you know, that you might like to mm-hmm. try that. Oh, sometimes people put Nutella, which is something he liked in a crepe. Maybe you would like to try that, you know, like, so building on, you know, okay. Yeah. You know, like, like every, every, every cuisine has some kind of pancake. You know, mm-hmm. or a flatbread, whether pita bread or naan or, you know, whatever. So, like, we know he liked this thing. So, maybe this is not that far removed. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, just helping him explore things, yes. right? Yeah, and being yeah. okay if he's like, you know what, I'm not up to it. Because there are days when yeah. I'm not up to doing things, you know, like, there are some days when it just feels like it's too much. I don't want to do something new. I want to stick with mm-hmm. my routine, you know, so. Yeah. And, and, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love those stories. And speaking of which, I know you have lots of stories around how technology has enhanced your unschooling, and you've shared well, some great ones around yeah. musicals and, fu- and food, right? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so I was just wondering if there were uh, one or two more that you might like to share. Well, um, when, like, it, when I was what I like to call a baby unschooler, when I was very new to all of this, still <laughs> learning about this, I was very nervous about video games because, you know, you hear things and there's news reports and sometimes you read an article in a magazine that talks about how dangerous video games can be. And someone gave me some, some very good advice um, that I needed to find a video game to play myself. And so mm-hmm. the first video game that I ever played was Plants vs. Zombies. And yeah. like it was like the number one app, I think, in two, one, 2009 or 2010 or so. You know what I mean? Like, so like it, looking back at it now, it feels so funny. But, um, but that was the first um, time that I played a video game all the way through. It was the first time I ever encountered a boss level. It was the first time I understood the, about mini games and the games within a game, that there was the mission and then there was the side stuff. And, and, and also what I really appreciated was um, – 
and and this is so funny now. I was like, how how advanced the graphics were compared to like things like Pac Man and Space Invaders from when I was growing yeah. up, you know. And so like this is like you know 2010 graphics as opposed to 2018 graphics. It's there's really <laughs> but at the time I was like, wow, there's awful lot of detail in here. And also Plants vs Zombies, there's so many funny jokes, and there were so many references to things. There was you know there were. Um, for a long time, when Harry was around five, he loved Plants vs. Zombies, but his favorite aspect of it was there's an almanac where they list out all the zombies and give their backstories and all the plants, and the plants all have distinct personalities and features and traits and also, you know, uh, catchphrases and I don't know, just, there was just, and he, it was like, you know, like a little kid likes to have their favorite book read to them over and over again. He loved for me to read that almanac to him over and over again. And we would crack up and laugh <laughs> and, and every single time, you know, and when we finally beat the, uh, the whole game, they play a song at the end. And so then we found YouTube videos of the song and we would dance to the song around the living room and, and sang all the lyrics and, you know, and then they made Halloween costumes and, you know, uh, Harry was a zombie and Gabriella, I think, was a plant and Jim went as Crazy Dave with the pot on his head. And it was just, you know, and so it, it again, like everything, it starts small and it gets big, you know, it gets, it, it, it ripples out. You know, mm -hmm. so like, yeah, Plants vs. Zombies was the pebble in the lake. But then all this other good stuff came out afterwards. Um, Minecraft. Harry largely learned to read from playing Minecraft. And it was for, you know, and, and, and it was started with even just little stuff like me spelling the word creative a hundred times a day because he wanted to play in creative mode, not the, you know, mm -hmm. adventure mode. And, uh, yeah. you know, but like, then we found out that, oh, there are crafts about around Minecraft that we could make. That was very interesting to Gabriella. You know, we could make Minecraft themed snacks. There were, you know, my sister-in-law who is a very, um, uh, devoted cookie baker found Minecraft cookie cutters and got some for us. You know what I mean? So every year at Christmas time, along with all of the traditional Christmas cookies, there are usually a few, you know, Minecraft cookers, uh, cookies, some, uh, you know, uh, pickaxes and some, you know, other things. And that's just now part of our extended family holiday culture, you know, that there'll be some Minecraft things, a few Star Wars cookies, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> that, you know, the different things the kids the kids are interested in and uh, they, they show up not just when playing video games, not just when watching a movie, but they're showing up in other places, you know, which that's, that's so much fun. I think that that's such a great point. Like two great points in there. I love the way um, it, it just, like you said, bubbles up, ripples out into the rest of our lives because it's part of our family's conversations, yes. right? And, and extended families. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And your point about playing a game or more you know especially when you're worried about it I think that is such a great thing because you know you can take it take it in oh I'm worried about technology yes people say they're gonna learn when they play these games um how do they learn you know and you can make it a whole research project and and yeah. read all sorts of articles about all the things they learn when they play Minecraft or when they play x y or z right right but when you play <laughs> and just try to figure out that you have to learn, yeah. like, and, and all of a sudden you, you know that this isn't like just some 
simple little mindless things. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing is mindless. You eventually figure that out too. Right. But I mean, I know I jumped in, um, I got my first DS uh, way back when they were big. Right. Yeah. <laughs> big and clunky and uh, played Animal Crossing. I think that was one of the first games that I played. Yeah. And and we put we would play um, I would play Mario Party with them and we'd play Mario Kart and then they would share they would they knew me and they would share games that they thought I would really enjoy. So um, they shared Phoenix Wright games with me. We would have so much fun playing that. And they would be handing me the cartridge. Here, mom, play this one, play this one. And not only is it a great connection with them, you get firsthand um, understanding of what it takes to um, just progress and play these games. I mean, the amount of information that you need to bring in that yes. you need to connect and put together yes, and make not, choices. Like I can mindless pastimes, you know, like people think, incredible. Oh, you're zoning out in front of the screen. No, that is not what is happening here. <laughs> the other thing that was so great about Minecraft is that um, eventually like we started out with just one laptop and then eventually we got more computers and we got video game consoles and we got DSs and handheld devices and all this sort of thing was that eventually we had enough devices that I could get a Minecraft account too. And one Yay. of the most powerful things about that was discovering how bad I was at it. I know how hard <laughs> it was for me to do anything in it. How I it took me forever to get through the door without banging into the door frame. How it took me forever to line up the bricks and to get them, you know, and to and to you know and to clear the path and to you know, like it just it took me so long. And that my kids could help me, that mm -hmm. they could be the teacher, that they were the expert. And I think it's really cool when a seven-year-old is in that position of showing you how mm -hmm. to do stuff like that's yeah. that's really that's you know because especially for a seven-year-old who's the littlest kid in the family who is the littlest kid of our our peer group you know what i mean like who's always mm -hmm. the smallest the last you know and for this to be the area where he's big and he's powerful mm -hmm. and knowledgeable and a respected expert you know what i mean like that's that's a huge thing and that is not something that kids get on a regular basis you know like so that's an amazing that's an amazing opportunity to be able to provide for your kids an opportunity for them for you to follow you know what you say uh, child -led. okay so this is this is one of those situations where yeah you are following their lead because they know what <laughs> to do in this but that's it. it it brings your relationship to a whole nother level doesn't it it's a whole new way to connect with them yeah. where they absolutely have wonderful information to share with you and can show you how to do things right it's it's amazing and and i you're just so impressed yes. by their skill you don't really you know it's like yeah they're hitting buttons and they're moving the the uh controller thing right but, oh, i forget but and and when but as soon as you try to do it, it's like holy this is yeah. hard <laughs> yeah and there's like and there is levels within minecraft like you know like this there's just playing around building a house or whatever but then there's like you know you know you sort of electronic circuitry you know there's stuff with redstone mm -hmm. there's very complicated you know you can make this as complicated as you want it to be um i know mm -hmm. gabriella really loved building sort of these elaborate worlds in Minecraft. She built one place where everybody traveled by roller coaster everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was like that was 
amazing to me, you know, to see when she was like, okay, I'm going to set it off. And you could see all the roller coasters going and all, it was a little bit like those very elaborate domino arrangements that Mm -hmm. people make, you know, like, and they spend hours building them and then they, but like, this was, this sort of had that feel to it, you know, and it was, that reminds me. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that reminds me of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Did you ever come across that game? Uh, I have not, you know, but. but. That was a big game, a big game in our family for uh, a few years. The other thing, as you were talking, it I remember one thing I realized playing these games and stuff was still how ingrained it was in me to get to the right answer, that the goal is the right answer. Because I will sit there in a game trying to figure out a puzzle, but I can only last so long before I walk up. But Joseph, Michael, whoever, come show me how to solve this puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Whereas they... Um, they enjoy the figuring out piece, yeah. right? Yeah. And and they will have spent that time, like they will go many, many hours before they'll finally choose to go online and get an answer to a particular puzzle. Right. They'll be like, oh yeah, that one was hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. making me feel better, but they figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, because that, that, and that addresses the, the concern that a lot of parents have, that if we don't make them do something, they'll never do anything hard. That, you know, hard, that, that, we're, exactly. that we're preventing them from having ambition. And it's really, it really hasn't been, it really hasn't been my, my, my experience that, you know, um, Gabriella has always been very artistic and has always drawn. And, um, recently she got herself, uh, one of these computer drawing tablets. Um, and she did the whole thing. She researched the whole thing on her own. She saved up and purchased it on her own. She set it up with, I basically sat next to her and, offered very minimal logistical support. <laughs> like I, I did almost none of it, set the whole thing up and has over time figured out how to use it. Um, now, I should just say, we completely would have bought this for her. Jim and I absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, just the same way that if the kids were doing a curriculum, we would have bought the curriculum. We would have bought them textbooks. We would have bought, you know, we would pay for their laptop like that. But she wanted to do this herself. And she was very clear that she did not want us to buy this for her for her birthday or for Christmas or for just just because she needed it. Like we don't even necessarily say you have to wait for those arbitrary dates, you know. Like, but I mean, she, but yeah. she wanted she wanted to budget for it. She wanted to save her money for it. Like she wanted she wanted to own the whole the whole process and and I'm and learning to use it was frustrating and there was a learning curve and it was hard and she was you know there were times when she was mad and she would shut the thing off and storm off and go do something else for a while and but she always came back to it and persevered and now she's cranking out some amazing some amazing art and um you know, some of it she's sharing to post to social media and some of it is just for herself and she's just doing so. And and I, I can't even describe the feeling I have when I see, you know, like, it, it's like be, you know, to say I'm proud of her is like, like that's, it feels like an injustice yeah. to say that. You know what I mean? Like she just, yeah, yeah. like I'm just, I'm in awe of her. Like she just, yeah. you know, and this also is because I 
do not have artistic abilities. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and I know it's like, where did that my come areas from? <laughs> of creativity are elsewhere, you know, but, but that, so, but yeah, so, and so she, you know, so I'm just, I'm in awe of her, I, her drawing and I have been forever, you know, like even since she was little, but, um, but yeah, so this was, you know, so she definitely, this is an example of her doing something challenging and persevering even when it was tough and not quitting and not, you know, so yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the big paradigm shifts, too, is we it seems to be conventionally that we feel we need to teach our children that level of dedication, right. that we need to expect it of them so that, that they learn that that's important. But really, all we need to do is help them explore the world so they can find the things that they love so much. Right. They are just intrinsically completely dedicated to it to come and go and you know through the frustrations and maybe toss it for a while yeah. like I know after Lissy finished one of her first um long-term um photography projects you know she was like oh my goodness you know and she took a break for like six months she didn't pick up the camera yet after she did when she went back to it she realized how much she had still learned and progressed in that time because she did all sorts of other things. She was still looking at pictures. She was still analyzing pictures. She was developing her eye, you know, all those things that you don't say, I'm going to sit down and look through this magazine and develop my eye more. No, you're just doing what's interesting, right? What you're drawn to do. And that comes naturally. Yes. And I think also that, that period of like taking that, that, the time when you're on a break mm-hmm. or what you're taking a break um, mm-hmm. is not, it's not fallow time. It's not wasted no. time. It's not um, because all of that information that she had was synthesizing and, and exactly. percolating and recombining in new ways and new connections are being made and, and whatever. So that, and so that when she picked up the camera again, I'm sure she had the experience that she felt like she had leveled up in some ways. Exactly. You know? No, that's exactly it. Yeah, you don't. There's just so much value in those down times, right? right? Just call, going back to what you were saying before, you know, just in the rhythm of your day, right. the up and down. Yeah. When you don't get that downtime to process and to let things synthesize and come together, yeah. you were missing out on so much of of the whole experience. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, my Harry had this experience with um, Taekwondo. He mm-hmm. uh, started taking Taekwondo when he was five, and was progressing and enjoying it and whatever. But he was getting there were some areas of it that were challenging for him. Learning the forms it was hard for mm-hmm. him to remember them all the way through. Um, also, he had reached a level where the kids were beginning to spar, and he was the smallest, physically the smallest mm-hmm. one in the school uh, who was doing at this level. And so he was not winning his sparring matches. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it yeah, yeah. was frustrating for him. And so, so there was the he was having difficulty learning the forms, and he was having difficulty with sparring. And so he got discouraged, and he decided that he wanted to stop. So we let him. We let him, he took some time off, but we didn't make a big production about him quitting. We just said, yeah. he's taking a break. And once in a while, if we were driving and we would go past, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's the place where Harry takes Taekwondo. And I, you know, and just whatever. And we were doing other things and going other places and trying out different stuff and whatever. And after about six months, Harry said, you know, I think I'm ready to go back. 
And I said, mm-hmm. okay. And so we went and we went back over there and, um, and, and the, the instructor was there and he was so happy to see Harry. And I said, do I need to sign him back up? He's like, well, the guy, you know, the guy who does the, the books, not here, but he, if he wants to take the class, he can come right in. And so he went right in and they were, and he proceeded and he, and, and during that time off those six months, I don't know whether he whether it was a physical maturation or a mental maturation or he matured cognitively or what happened, but something important happened during those six months off because when he came back, he was definitely at a new level and he was able suddenly learning the forms wasn't as hard. He started to do better at sparring. He was, you know, he had more confidence in his abilities and he pursued and he went all the way through and he got his black belt. And now he, and he recruited my husband in the process. So now my husband, Mm -hmm. now my husband got his black belt last year and now they're both on in a leadership training program at the, at the school. So at the end of, you know, I think by the late spring, Harry's going to be, able to, you know, he's already doing a lot of teaching for the younger students right now, but he'll be a, a teacher, and you know, which I mm-hmm. think is kind of hilarious that an 11-year-old who's never been to school is now going to be an instructor at the school, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but it's, again, it's a, it's, you know, like we didn't, that, that time when he was away from it wasn't, he wasn't really away from it. Do, do you know, mm-hmm. like, like it yeah, was no. a time spent where he did nothing. There was obviously yeah. so much growth, so much development, so much uh, ma- maturing happening during that time so that when he was able to go back – and also we tried really hard to leave the door open so that he could mm-hmm. go back to it, that he wouldn't feel like, oh, I quit and if I go back, they're going to say, oh, I told you so. You know, like, like I really yeah. don't ever want my kids to feel like they're in a situation where they can't um, adjust their course. You know, that they can't course correct yeah. along the way. Um, that's such a big thing, I think. Um, <laughs> when you're learning, that's one of, because we're so focused on, on, um, productivity and achievement right we're always end like results. looking for accomplishments end uh, results, results return on investment yes. right yes. is that we we are always so worried about letting those downtimes happen because we don't have proof right, right? until it, so that's one of the things that comes with experience so you know when we say with unschooling when people come to it we say really try to give it a year try to really yeah really be open to it and throw yourself into it for a year because you need that time to be able to look back and see those cycles to see what happens after the downtime to see the growth the internal growth and and the knowledge that just has happened to them through those um periods of you know intense bursts of activity and the quieter times to start to see those patterns because if if you don't give yourself that time you're still looking for that result right, right? right. you're still looking for progress right. you're looking for progress and, and, but, and sometimes it looks so different right and sometimes you're looking for you know like there are some parents who are looking for their kid to come to them and say okay please teach me algebra now like that yeah that's probably never going to happen in my house you know yeah you know like <laughs> but that doesn't mean that my kids haven't been exposed to algebra that they haven't been ex- they haven't used algebraic thinking in whether it's mm-hmm. playing a game or building something or you know or tripling a recipe or yeah you know, I don't know like there's a, yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't 
uh, natural learning it doesn't look, look like school learning or what passes for yeah. learning in school. It's 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 but it doesn't mean it's not happening. And yeah, and and sometimes it's it's also okay to do things just for fun. You know that there oh, doesn't yeah. have to be a lesson behind the movie that we're watching as a family on Saturday night. Like there could just be, we could just Mm -hmm. be watching it because it's a great movie, you know, and invariably you learn from it anyway. But I, like I said, that's the side effect, you know, that it doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be the purpose, you know? Yeah. Cause you discover eventually that when you focus on the fun, yeah, the learning just happens along the way, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's a happy side effect, and and it's just yep. it's been it's been so it's been so great for for our family, and it's been so great for all of our relationships, you know. And uh, oh, sorry. that's a that's a no. That I was going to say because that leads very nicely to the next question, which is just how unschooling expands so much beyond just how our children learn, right? Yeah. And the things they learn. Because that's what we're focused on at first because we, we think of unschooling as replacing school and schools where they go to learn because that's their job, right? right? It's all about the kids. So at the begin- <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the beginning, it's about the kids and it's about how they learn and how am I going to um, replace school, replace curriculum? How are we yeah. going to do that differently? Yeah. But eventually, we discover it expands so much further than that, doesn't right. it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like... Uh, because we have really prioritized relationships with our kids, it, it, it made me better at having relationships with everybody in my life. It made me, um, it made me a better, a better spouse. It's made me a better friend. It's made me a better sibling. Uh, you know, I feel I, you know, like I feel like there's an awful lot of um, meeting people where they are, being flexible, being open to trying new things, being open to noticing what's not working. And saying, okay, mm-hmm. this isn't working. Let's try something else. You know, like uh, before um, I learned about unschooling, I kind of believed that if I just worked hard enough, I could resolve whatever the problem was. That any problem that was happening was on me to just, if I worked harder, it would fix itself. You know, like I could fix it. Yeah, yeah. And that actually turns out not to be true. And <laughs> If people would just listen to me, exactly. I can tell them. <laughs> I will just, I will stay later. I will work harder. I will, you know, I will make more. I will, you know, I don't know, whatever it was. And it just, yeah. yeah. So, um, and so one of the things is that, you know, just like we are encouraging the kids to do interesting things and try new things and have fun, I can be that way with Jim also. And Jim can be that way with me too, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. and that's a really, beautiful way to live a really fun way to live you know that um and that we can get excited about each other's interests you know um and make time and space for them you know uh my husband jim is a a home beer brewer you know and that and he started i mean he, he started doing this even before we met but you know like in the beginning he had some equipment in the basement and he would get some kits and he would do and as he has gone along he's met more people who do this and so that's created like a whole new set of friends for him and then also you know all of whom are very interesting people and so that's enriched all of our lives and and then he 
was learning how to sort of break away from using a kit, you know, sort of like the way a baker would break away from using a box cake mix to making a cake from scratch. So now he's mm-hmm. brewing beer more and more from ingredients, you know. And then we had a friend who was growing hops in their backyard and had an extra plant. So he gave it to Jim. And so now we have hops growing up the side of our house. <laughs> and so at harvest time, the kids are out there on the roof picking that because the hops plant grows enormous. It's as tall as our house. It goes right. We have a trellis right up the side by our front door. Ah. And so the kids are on the flat roof and they're p- picking hops <laughs> and we're drying them. And then, you know, and then j- months later, Jim's brewing them. And you know, and it's just, it's really, uh, and oh, and when the kids were little, they, he had like a little bottle capper, you know, like, I don't know, you know, like how mm-hmm. to, to yeah. snug the cap onto the bottle. And that was a big thing when the kids had enough upper body strength that they could work it, you know, and the, yeah, caps yeah. on the bottle. We have pictures of the kids at like, you know, three and four year old in their pajamas, <laughs> helping, with the be- you know, bottling the beer. And, you know, so it's, it's been, it's, you know, so, so that's in a way, um, Jim likes to watch football, you know, the rest of us, we could probably take it or leave it, but we watch it with him because that's a thing we're doing together and we want to spend time together. And so we are all rooting for his team and cheering when they do good things and sad when they don't make the playoffs and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I make, we make special snacks, you know, we have, uh, we have a Super Bowl party, just our little family every year, even though we're mostly watching for the commercials, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, there's, you know, but yeah. we, it's, it's, um, it's time spent together and, and time that we're talking and learning and doing things and sharing experiences. There's a lot to be said for just logging in the hours together. You know, it's mm-hmm. having those shared experiences, making those kind of memories. Like this is what, you know, eventually the kids will be grown up. And when they think about their childhood, I want it to be these sets of, you know, these kinds of happy memories to be what they have to draw on in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And and it all starts, well, I, I mean, I know it did for me, certainly. I got so much better at just learning how. Um, to engage in a relationship with another person just through um, trying to develop a strong relationship with my kids through unschooling, right? Right. It was amazing. Now, our last question. You ready? (laughs) Right now, what's your favorite thing about your unschooling life? You know, it's so funny. I I was thinking about these (laughs) questions ahead of time and I had, had some notes and I had some bullet points and I had some, you know, like some anecdotes sort of at hand ready to, and that is, I don't have a a specific answer for this last question because it's hard to pick just one thing. Like I love, the flexibility, the ability that we could we could travel whenever we want, like we're not tied to the school system. I love the fact that I can play, that I am, you know, that I'm free to play just as much as my kids are free to play. Um, my, you know, I I like to do a lot of I like to do a lot of cooking. I like to experiment with a lot of recipes. We like to invite a lot of people people over. We can have parties. We can have, you know, we like we can play games. We don't have to do what everybody else is doing. We're free to not only do what's right for us, but what makes us happy, you know? And, and I feel like by unschooling that really sort of, that provides a really nice framework for that to happen. Yeah. 
It's 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 the whole lifestyle, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and just, you know, everything and, and everything can lead to something else. Like, um, I was reading an article in the New York Times just this past weekend. They had it uh, in the travel section. They had an article about Spain. I went to Spain when I was 16 and I loved it. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I would love to go back. And I said, and, and I said to Gabriella, I said, we should totally, we should go to Spain. And she said, why? I said, because you can go out to dinner there at midnight because Gabriella is very much a night owl. And as a 13-year-old is very much in that vampire, you know, opposite schedule kind of thing. And I was like, and, you know, like, and, and around here, most places are, they might be open till 11, but most places are not mm-hmm. open past that. And, you know, and so the idea that you could, that the night is just getting started at midnight, you know, in Barcelona made that, it's like, you know, we could go, we could eat, you know, they have really good bread there. They have food that, you know, like we could go try this food out. We could, and we could, we could do it late at night and we could sleep in in the morning and we could go to the beach in the afternoon. And she's like, yeah, that does sound like fun. And I'm like, all right, well, we should learn some Spanish and we should, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and I know someone who speaks Spanish. Maybe we can Skype with them and we can learn some phrases so that we know how to ask for the, you know, <laughs> For the for the food and the directions to the, the right bread. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, so so, but yeah, so so that's you know, so but that that's that's sort of how you know. So who knows? Maybe we'll go to Spain soon. You know, like it, but, yeah, exactly. It's just seeing how things flow, yeah. right? It's a it's a surprise every day just to see what comes. Exactly, up. exactly, and where and where where we're going to be next and what's going to happen next, and and you know, right. and things could change. Like they might things might change, and someday they might say, you know what, I really want to go to school, or I've decided I want to be an engineer, so I need to you know really like you know catch up on you know uh, school style math or something like that, and we'll be there to help them do that, and I will be sad if they you know when when they're grown up and we're not here all together doing this stuff but i'm really glad that we have this opportunity to do it now and i'm really trying to savor it because things do change and sometimes they change awfully fast um so i really i want i want to like drink up all the goodness that that is right here right now as much as we can because i i really think that that will will help sustain us later on you know, and that, that, that I want them to have these good memories. I want to have good memories, you know, like I, you know, I mean, this is what, this is what I'm choosing to do with my life for the, you know, this decade or decade and a half. I want it to feel like this was, this was a good choice and this was a fun thing to do. This was a great thing to do for our family. Oh, I love that so, so much, Sylvia. And thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. It was so oh fun. Oh my God, it was so much fun. I can't believe I was like nervous at first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, know. no, this was so, this, was, so this was a great experience. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Oh, and thank you so much for sharing all your wonderful stories. That was great. And before we go, where's the best place for people to connect with you? Online? Um, I am on Facebook a lot, and I um, admin a group called Unschooling Q and A. Uh, which is a great place for people, particularly if they're new to unschooling, to come because this is the place where no one is ever going to get mad at you for asking. Well, what about algebra for the seven hundredth time? Like, <laughs> I can specifically, I, I want this to be a place for not, you know, or what about bedtime, or you know, or what about like I want all those kind of beginner questions mm-hmm. there. And I also um, help out Sandra Dodd with the Radical Unschooling Info Group. Um, I'm an admin over there as well, so um, that's a great place awesome. to find me to talk about unschooling. So. Okay. Great. And I will put the links in the show notes. Thanks again so much. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye now. 
Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to pick up your free copy of my book, What is Unschooling? In it, we'll explore some of the common questions people have when they first hear about unschooling, like how will my child learn? How do I know they're learning? What is de-schooling? And how do I get started? It's also available at many online ebook retailers. And if you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Facebook at Living Joyfully. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.